if you are somebody who wants to have like a larger radius, so maybe nationwide, that can influence what you decide to do, some of those different tactics that you put into play. So if you do want to grow fast, gain awareness quicker, then yes, do the TikTok, do the Instagram reels, maybe do some collaborations with other brands and other people, get involved in like bundle opportunities, things like that, because those are going to help you grow faster. Now, as somebody who kind of has the perspective that I do with working primarily with small town businesses, solopreneurs, I love that slow, steady growth because that's where you can build relationships. And my thought process has always been like, not everybody out there is going to need what I have to offer in this exact minute. But if I show up authentically, if I show up showing that I am somebody you can trust, if I can give you that little nugget of education that made you think differently or like really stop what you were doing to pay attention, then down the road, maybe you will need me and you'll remember me and then you'll come my way. Listening to Above the Bar Copy, a podcast for female led business owners who want to break the rules, go beyond the usual marketing trends, and create fire sales copy that builds relationships, generates leads, and leaves a lasting, positive impact on their clients. Welcome to another episode of the Above the Bar Coffee podcast. I cannot wait for you to meet our guest today. I'm going to read her bio and then just jump in so you can hear from her. So Molly Knuth is on a mission to help women in small towns rewrite how they live and work on their own terms. She knows modern women want to grow families, build businesses or side hustles, impact others for the better, and be a positive force in our communities. But they also want to have a fulfilling life along the way. True that. In the past (laughs) six years, Molly has gone from a stay-at-home mom to a freelance social media marketer to a boss babe at Molly Knuth Media, managing client needs, talented team members, and her husband and four kiddos on their little farm in eastern Iowa. Molly, welcome to the show. Jenny, I just love talking with you. I will. I am so tickled to be here today. Thank you for having me. Of course. I think a good place for us to start. I always just love to hear from people their story, right? So could you tell our listeners how you got started in business um, to where you are today? Just your story of how you got here. Oh my gosh. How much time do we have? Um, (laughs) My story is not linear. My story is very circuitous, but the simplest way I guess to put it is that I was someone who knew she always wanted to like be a mom, but I didn't exactly know what else I wanted to do. And I found myself in college and undecided major my sophomore year. And I had gotten to the point where they're like, you basically need to declare something because you've taken all of your gen eds and you have to have a major. So I went to the office where they kind of help you come up with ideas or pair you with a major that would fit. And I took a personality assessment, like this is foreshadowing, but I took a personality assessment and it aligned my interests with being a teacher. And I was like, you know, I could be a teacher. And I had like various experiences in high school level with elementary age students, but I got thinking about it and I thought I could really teach high school, maybe junior high kids. I loved reading. I loved writing. And so I began the pursuit of a English teaching degree with a minor in educational technology. And so after a few years, I found myself in a classroom teaching at my alma mater, Cascade High School here in Cascade, Iowa. I had seventh through 12th graders in a variety of classes, including ninth grade English lit. I had communications class, seventh and eighth grade reading, and I really did love it. But I also, at the same time, I think I was 24, 25, I was married and my husband and I found out that we were pregnant with our third baby in four years. And so we kind of had the conversation of, oh, well, you know, you've always wanted to be a mom. Molly. And you knew that maybe at some point we would do the stay at home mom thing. And so the timing was just right to do that. And so for a few years, I was a stay at home mom. And then what I kind of found was that I needed something. A, I wanted to contribute to our family's income. 
And B, I just needed something for myself. And I was like, I love taking care of our babies, but I just needed something. And so I began looking for ways that maybe I could supplement our income and work from home without too many hours outside the house. And at the same time, my dad and my cousin had started a business here in our hometown and they needed some administrative help. So I could do some of that work from home with my computer. At the same time, Facebook business pages were kind of up and coming in small towns. This was 2016. So not every small business had a Facebook page. So we set one up for them. And we treated it not like a newspaper ad because I was like, you know, we could put out these graphics that have pricing and deals of the week. But I think people want to see like, so they were in a metal fabrication business. And so I was like, I think people want to see like, what does the difference look like when your steel goes on somebody's roof? Or people want to see what is the before and after on this barn. And so that's the direction we took. And we really took the business pages aspect away from how people traditionally in our community looked at marketing. And we began telling stories with it and it was successful. And so from that one business I was working with, another business heard about it, another business heard about it. And within just a few months, early 2017, it was time for me to make a choice. What do I want to do here? And what I ultimately decided was to form Molly Knuth Media. I have no business classes. I have no business degree. I just really took what I like to do with social media and being creative and telling stories and bringing that to these platforms that people used. And so since then, we have grown a team here at MKM. We've added different services as we see that businesses need them. I've been able to make some fantastic friendships and network with women all over the United States. So if it's not something we offer, I can typically connect someone with another person who can And it's really just all about how do we use these modern technologies to connect people, particularly in small towns and particularly women who want to be able to do some of the things that I wanted to do when I was just starting out with MKM. I love that story. I know you and I have talked before, like the parallels in our stories of being stay-at-home moms and then kind of being like, but I need something and not really knowing what that is and just following the next step. And so, and I also just love how you followed your instincts on the Facebook business page, right? That the first one you did for your family, you're like, I think people, let's try this, right? And to just do that and try it and see where it lands, right? I think so often in social media, we get so, or marketing or anything we do for our business, really, like we get so stuck in, oh, but no one else is doing that. Or I haven't seen that before. Or what if it fails, right? So was it that kind of instinct? Is that something like, how have you developed that over time, I guess? Or how did you like take it to move forward into other businesses? besides that first one or in addition to that first one? Like, how did you keep growing that skill? I honestly, truly, I used social media marketing Mm -hmm. in my teaching. And honestly, the job of a teacher, I feel like is all marketing because not every ninth grader wants to sit down with a copy of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. So part of that is getting them excited and saying, oh, but this isn't just a passage from the 1500s. This is actually a story that has so many parallels to modern life and modern young love. And so it's really pulling out those strings that are relevant to the people in front of you. And then Back in my teaching days too, I had obviously an English reading classroom Mm -hmm. and we, I think I got my classroom and I had maybe a library of like 50 or 60 books. And I wanted to emphasize reading and connect kids to books that they enjoyed. So they became lifelong readers. Mm -hmm. And what I did was just on my Facebook personal account back in 2013, 2012, I just put out a post that said, hey, if anybody has unused books sitting on their bookshelf without being opened, like, please consider donating them to my classroom. I want to connect kids with books. And within months, I think we had grown to over 500 books. And that was literally just putting out a call on Facebook. So I knew by the time I had started helping these businesses that there was something here and it didn't need to be anything super flashy. It just needed to be something that they could relate to. It needed to be something that mattered to the people on the other side of the screen. And while I couldn't contextualize or put words to that at the time, I think that's the instinct that I followed where it was, I didn't care so much about the tactics or the what's right versus what's wrong. What time of day did I post? I really just focused on like, as a person, what matters to me? 
as a person, what time am I going to be on my phones? Maybe I should post at that time. Mm-hmm. As a person, what do I care about right now in this day, in this time? And I really think that that's the instinct that I followed more than anything. Mm-hmm. And then when I really formalized Molly Knuth Media, I think part of my growth really came from not just being the service provider that helped other businesses grow. I started my own social media accounts and I said, hey, this is what I'm doing. And I didn't, again, really take a traditional marketing route. I just showed up with education. I did a lot of live videos in the early days where I'd sit behind my computer for an hour and just answer people's questions on Facebook Live. And I really did focus on that educational piece so that other business owners could learn. And then it became more of a word of mouth kind of thing that businesses were telling each other. And then they were coming to me for support and help in that. And that's how MKM grew. Oh man, that's so cool. I love so many parts of that. First of all, I like to go way back to like the personality test you took, right? In college, I was the same way. I like, I don't know what I want to go for, right? And then you take the personality test and become a teacher. And I hear this a lot from like my friends who are teachers too, or just like any like specialized skill you have. It's like, well, this is my one skill. So this is the only thing I can do. I'm making like air quotes, like I can only teach, but there's so many like other parts of like our personality and human design, which me and you are going to talk about here that translate into like all these other skills and all the ways that you show up and market your business and online and all these things. So I just love that. And keeping like the human part in social media. I mean, we all know it's humans on the other side of our screens, but it's so easy, like you said, to get caught up in like the tactics and what I should and shouldn't do and just forget like, hey, what time would I be on my phone? Hey, what would Mm -hmm. I want to know as a person, right? It's so good. Yeah, exactly. And I do think that we can get really tied up in identity and like, this is what I do. Therefore, this is who I am. And I will say like making that decision to step away from teaching was not something that I was very easy for me. I don't like to ruffle feathers. I don't often like to step outside the lines. It's something I'm still practicing and still learning as I age. But the more and more I go into this business journey, the more talented, multi-passionate women I meet. And a lot of teachers make great business owners because they have such a massive skill set from time management to marketing to the technology that's involved in being a modern educator to being organized and knowing how to frame lessons and then frame a curriculum. Like teachers do so many cool things and it translates to so many other areas if you feel called beyond teaching at some point too. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Okay, let's talk more about just kind of following this thread. I want to talk to you more about the tactics of social media strategy Mm -hmm. and just some things that like trends you're seeing and things that um, you're including for your clients in that marketing strategy. But first, I think it'd be good to talk a little bit about kind of what we're saying right now, the personality and human design and using that in your marketing and in your social media. So I am a total newbie to human design. I'm going to just let you take it from there. Like what is human design and why is it important to know and how do we include it in our marketing and in our social media strategy and marketing? So much of marketing and business is just knowing how people operate. And then I think even deeper than that, we need to know how we operate so that we can connect with other people. People do business with people, and that is the basis of any business. So one thing that I've always been interested in personality tests, as you can tell, I was for a long time really interested in the Enneagram. I'm an Enneagram three, like your traditional person who sets goals and like is an overachiever. But some of those Enneagram three descriptors didn't quite fit me all the time. And last year I was in a mastermind. So this was early 2022. I was in a mastermind and somebody was a guest presenter in that group. And she was talking about human design and she started using all these words like projector, reflector, manifester, generator. And I had no idea what this was. And so as I'm sitting in that training session, she's talking about certain personality aspects. And I was like, this sounds like me. This sounds like the thing. And so I went and got my human design. I worked one-on-one with a human design expert to dig in a little bit deeper. So 
The difference between human design and other personality tests is that other personality tests can kind of fluctuate. We all know that as women, we go through seasons of life. We're probably not the same person today that we were a year ago, five years ago. So we're not going to be the same woman five years from now or 10 years from now that we are today. Whereas with human design, it all depends on your birth date, your birth location, your time of birth. And it has to do with, this is the part where like, if you're not quite as woo-woo as I am, like, I get it. But I also really believe in transmission of energy. Like think about a wave. Like that is made by energy transmitting from particle to particle. So to me, it makes sense to say that on the date and the time that I was born, there was a certain energy and then I received that energy. And when you type in your human design, I use a website called Jovian Archive. I can send you the links for anybody who's interested. But then you just plug in your information and you'll get this picture. And it looks like a person, but there's all these different shapes and numbers and colors. And then below that are little, there's things that say like your type, your strategy, your authority, and a jumble of words and numbers that might not make sense. But there are so many resources available via podcasts or just a simple Google search that can help you start to unpack this. But what I learned about myself is that I am a manifester and that's 9% of the population, but manifestors are people who have intuition and they get these ideas that at the moment might not make sense, but they are meant to act on them. So if like through my story, you can kind of hear how that has been very present throughout my life without me actually being super aware of it. But as I started learning more about manifestors and learning more about the specific parts of my human design, it really did like, it was just like, oh my gosh, that's why I am the way I am. I am somebody who I can make really great plans and I know how to get the ball rolling and I know how to get people energized and excited to take action. But I know that at a certain point, I need to step back and let it happen because I'm not the person to carry it across the finish line. Mm -hmm. And I've always carried like a chip on my shoulder about that, where I'm like, Mm -hmm. I always have so much ambition up front. And then Getting it across the finish line is something that's tough for me. But what I learned is that for manifestors, that's my job. My job is to get people excited. And then there are other people who like to know the plan and then do the plan and execute it. So it's also about how do we work together in community? And I really do find human design so fascinating because that is just a very skimming the surface level. Mm -hmm. And there's so many layers to it. And as I unpack more and learn more about myself, I learn areas where I am gifted and I can just let myself excel. And I also learn areas that maybe this is where I can use additional help or support in certain endeavors because I'm just not made to be that way. And as anybody listening wants to go check theirs out, everybody is different, but it's just like, I feel everybody I've introduced to this and like help them unpack what their human design means that they're like, oh my gosh, it makes so much sense now. And I really do feel like it's a tool all business owners need to know. So good. And so we'll put the link definitely in the show notes of where that you shared with us. So I'm so curious to know. And one thing that really stood out to me that you said is how like you had a chip on your shoulder about the things you can't do or why, why am I not like this? Right. And then we try to fix it as a business owner. Like I'm not good at implementing the plan or whatever it is. And we think we need to fix, fix, fix this about ourselves. But this sounds more like it's kind of giving yourself permission to really lean into your natural strengths and then decide how you can help like let other people lean into theirs and help you and things like that. And so I'm curious in that thread of social media marketing and marketing, how does this show up for you and for your clients when you're making strategies and like actually deciding what kind of content you're going to put out there and how often and like all these decisions that go into that? Do you have any examples? I'm sure there's a million ways. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I've always been really gifted with being able to listen to somebody's story Mm -hmm. and hear what they do in their business and hear where they want to go with it. And then I figure out, okay, how do we tell this story and how do we communicate it in a series of posts or over several months so that we're selling, but it doesn't necessarily feel like selling. It feels very natural and authentic and we're making friends and growing community at the same time. And so I'm really good at that strategizing side. When I am too far in the weeds of the daily admin, tasks, or I'm too far in the weeds of creating and posting content day after day after day after day, I start to feel really depleted. 
And what I learned is that that is my manifestor energy coming to be. I need to be given freedom and space. I'm somebody who like gets ideas and I'm meant to act on them. And so I need to have the ability to do that. And when I'm too tied down or too structured for me personally, that's just not how I'm meant to work. And so my energy starts to wane and my frustration starts to bubble up. And now that I have this tool, it gives me the language and the permission to say, okay, here's what I'm feeling. That must mean that something isn't aligned here. So then I can look at what I'm doing and be like, oh yeah, no wonder I'm feeling frustrated or burnt out, or I'm feeling sad. It's because I haven't given myself an hour to just be, or I haven't gone outside in the sunshine. I really need that for myself. And so it does give you I think more awareness is the biggest thing because the more that you're aware of it, the more you'll start to see patterns and then you can make shifts that help these patterns get solved if it's a problem or really amplify if it's something you want to grow and scale. That makes so much sense to me. Thank you for sharing that. So it's really like step one is kind of knowing your human design and how you work. So like you said, do you want to be in the weeds or like, do you enjoy like putting out that daily content and doing that, doing that? Or are you more like Molly, like in the manifesting energy where you love creating the ideas and seeing the big picture, right? And then like maybe delegating the other parts of it. So really knowing yourself. And I love that because so often I think, well, I personally feel a lot of pressure to show up every day or do these other, like whatever social media trend is out there right now. And when it doesn't quite like fit with who I am, then you do, you get the chip or you feel kind of guilty, but this makes total sense to me that you could kind of like start by knowing yourself first and then going forward with what actions, like what are you going to do for your marketing and how are you going to show up on social media that really serves you as the business owner too? I love that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I'm a manifester. I've talked Mm -hmm. a lot about what mine is, but there's also people who fall into a generator category. That means they have a ton of energy. And when I've worked with clients who and incorporated human design, These generator people, they're the ones that want to bop from idea to idea. They see opportunity everywhere. They want to try one thing and then they see this thing over here and they're like, oh, that looks fun too. Mm -hmm. And they have so much energy. And the clients that I've worked with, they've kind of had that chip themselves, but it's like, I jump so much. I see these shiny objects. I don't know what to focus on. And it's like, as a generator, you're meant to follow where that excitement is. You're meant to follow your gut. So lean into that gut feeling. There's people who are called projectors and these projectors, they know what people need in order to best serve themselves. And so it's all of these ways that tell people like you are built the way you are specifically and uniquely meant to be. And I feel like by having this little cheat sheet, if you will, Mm -hmm. it just allows you to just be the person that you naturally are. And when we do lean into those, that's when we can feel our most fulfilled and our most aligned. And when we are really pushing against that, that's when we can feel so much resistance. And it's fun, I feel like, but I also am kind of a personality nerd. So for me, it's really fun, but it also is just so powerful as a business tool. Oh my gosh. I love that. And I could see how it could be hard too when we're scrolling on Instagram and you can see like the generator or the projector, the manifestor, like all these different energies putting out or different human designs putting out content or showing up on social media and you can compare yourself to them and really get stuck in there if you don't know yourself and how you operate. So Mm -hmm. I can see the advantage of that as well. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. so cool to know. How many types of human design are there? Is there a lot or handful. So there's five and then you can get deeper and deeper into it. So I would say, start by understanding like, what is that type that you are? And then you can dig into what are called the authorities. So it's like, how do you communicate the best? So like my job is to inform as a manifester. So as an educator and somebody who's in the online space, like that fits me. But a lot of times that feels really unnatural to me. I'm not always the most communicative. So that's when I can feel resistance. But when you know that strategy, that is a helpful tool too. And then there's what are called the profile lines. And then you can dig into your specific energy centers. And again, there are so many resources. There are podcasts and different people you can follow on social media too, if you really want to dive deeper into human design and understand what that means, what all those different parts are and how it applies to you. So cool. I love that. So kind of start by knowing what works for you, right? And your natural human design. And then talking a little bit more about social media strategy, because for me, this is a mystery. I hear a lot of people saying like, 
you know, your content's not working because you don't have a strategy or like you need to build a social media strategy. And I'm always kind of like, okay, cool, cool. I'll build it. But like, what does that mean? Like, so when someone says social media strategy, like how do we make one? I know that's a huge question and different for every person, but other than our human design, what do we take into account when we're building that strategy? Like, is it a number of posts a week? Is it I don't know. Can you shed some light on that? Just maybe give us an example of what a social media strategy can look like. Oh, absolutely. And I love this question because I do feel like there are so many terms that get thrown around in the online space and myself included. Sometimes I just assume that everybody knows what I'm talking about. Again, my job needs to be to communicate clear, but a strategy is just the steps that you're taking to get from where you are to where you want to be. So a social media strategy for business owners in particular is how do we take our audience along a path that shows them that we are the person that they should partner with for this product or this service. One resource that I read early on in my business journey and I still pull from is Donald Miller's Building a Story Brand. And it talks about how we as the business owner, a lot of times position ourselves as the hero in someone else's story. And that creates this dissonance with the person on the other end, whereas we should be positioning ourselves as the guide they are the hero of their story. And we are that person who comes alongside and says, hey, I've been there. I have the knowledge. I have the experience. I have the expertise that can help you do better by just like taking this journey along with me. So when we're thinking about a social media strategy, it's saying, who am I trying to help? And how do I get that person from where they are to where they want to be? So for me, when I'm sitting down across the table from a client, It's unpacking, okay, what is the thing that you offer? Is it a product? Is it a course? Is it a workshop? Is it a service? And it's saying, okay, who is the person that you're meant to help the most? So let's take you, for example, Jenny, like you write copy for female entrepreneurs and business owners. So what I would then do is say, all right, what are the different ways that we can demonstrate what Jenny does, and we're going to put together a plan on a page. And I like to do the strategies for like one month to like four to eight weeks at a time. And then what I do is say, what's going to be our big objective in this time frame? If we have too many objectives going on, it becomes hard for us. We get super stressed out because we don't know what we're doing and we feel like we've got all these plates spinning in the air. But it's also hard for that person who's following us, that hero, because they don't know exactly what their next step is. They have all these steps in front of them and they are not sure which one is right. And so what I do then, so let's take your business again for an example, is typically what I just start fresh, blank slate with a new client. And I say, all right, we're going to tell this like we would be writing a story. So in the beginning, we're going to start our first month of strategy with exposition. So we're going to introduce the characters. That would be Jenny. We'd say, hey, I'm Jenny. We'll talk about you. Then maybe we'll have another post that's about your family or where you live. And then we'll talk about where your set setting is. So hi, I'm in the Dakotas. Or if you're online, you can say, I operate in the online space because you can help people anywhere. If you're very localized, say where you're at, share some pictures, your favorite things about being from that area. And we're incorporating story elements because people love stories. And it's also not just getting them to understand us, but it's helping them remember us. Because as we tell stories, it ingrains in people's heads and it can help them recall us a little bit better. And then what we're going to do at the beginning of that strategy, so we have characters, we have setting, conflict is next. So the conflict for the hero of the story, what is that big problem that they're experiencing? So in Jenny's case, it might be, This solopreneur has an awesome product or service, but they don't have the time or the skill to write amazing emails. That's where Jenny comes in. So the person that owns the business can do the businessy things and Jenny takes care of the rest. So she alleviates the stress or she saves them time. So we introduce that conflict and then the ways that Jenny can help. So then when I create strategy from after that exposition, it's telling, okay, how can I demonstrate this? So I might pull in testimonials or excerpts that you've written in the past or places where you've been featured or case studies, things like that. But it's bringing in different elements that demonstrate what you do. And that is making the customer journey a little clearer. It's showing them, okay, here's Jenny, here's what she does. Here's some examples. And then 
After a few posts, we make that ask and we say, hey, if this is something that seems like you need in your business, here's how you can get to work with me. So it's really laying out that path of where the person is, the hero, and where you want them to go, which is a better life or a better business, but also doing that alongside you as the provider. So the strategy, again, just a series of steps, and then it's figuring out what are those components that we're rolling out over the span of a certain time period so that we can help tell that story. And I know you asked, like, is that a certain number of posts per week? Is that a certain number of posts per day? People are probably going to hate this answer, but (laughs) it varies for every business. You have to weigh like, what is your workload and your capacity right now? So if we are jam-packed, I cannot take on another single client. I don't want to be advertising my business and talking about all the great things I do seven days a week. I can maybe scale back to like two or three posts per week. I would say a minimum of one post per week. And then in those times when you do want to drive more business, you can push that gas a little harder and increase that post frequency. And it also depends on your skill set and your time availability too. I don't want you to commit to seven posts per week if you only have 15 minutes to do that in a week. So it's a little bit of a blend of what is your capacity? What is your need right now as a business owner? And then finding that sweet spot that works for you. writing to your email list that giant should be doing that never actually gets done it's time to stop wondering if email will work for you because it will and start doubling your instagram sales with emails your clients love to read and that don't stress you the f out to create (laughs) enter not your mama's newsletters this is a lifetime access email newsletter template membership Here's how it works. At the top of every single month, you are going to get four email newsletter templates that you can customize for your business. Simply plug in your offer details into the framework and send the email. It's that easy. Every single template gives you five subject lines to choose from, your call to action, your goal, your prompt, an example that you can look at, and a full Mad Lib style fill in the blank email newsletter template that converts. These are just templates that talk about your favorite things or your hobbies. These are templates meant to bring in sales, meant to build relationships, meant to grow your email community. On top of that, every single quarter, you're going to get a new email newsletter sequence template. So far, we have Black Friday email sequences, welcome sequences, abandoned cart email sequences, list scrubbing sequences, and the list goes on. Again, not your mama's newsletters. You get four email newsletter templates every single month that you can customize for your business and a new email sequence template every single quarter. It's a one-time investment of $117 and you get lifetime access to the membership. That price is going to go up. It's limited time. Get in there now while you can. There's no reoccurring fees, no hidden or additional fees. It's a one-time investment and you get lifetime access to all past, current, and upcoming templates. Right now, we have a year's worth of templates already built up inside the membership. So the minute you join, you'll have access to all of those, plus all the reoccurring templates we're making right now and releasing every single month and all the future templates that we will release. It's called Not Your Mama's Newsletters. The link is in the show notes and I hope to see you there. Thank you for sharing all of that. I just feel so much relief hearing you talk about strategy in this way, thinking of your client or customer as the hero. And I can totally see how your English background has made you the perfect person for this, like putting (laughs) up the story elements, right, of the conflict and the character and the setting. That's so incredible. I had a couple of follow-up questions for you that I'm just curious to know too. So, and I also love that you talk about, you know, amp up your marketing if you are looking to book and slow down if you're busy. It kind of comes back again to making sure it's serving you like you talked about before. So if someone's listening to this, And they're like, okay, cool. So can you help people with the strategy? And then does your team also help with like the copy and graphics and like the getting it out there part too? Or tell me a little bit more about that. So like once you have this strategy and you know, okay, I'm going to post like probably twice a week because this is where I'm at. Then like the logistics of getting it out there. What does that look like? Tell me more about that. So specific to what we offer at MKM? Yeah, for sure. What you offer at MKM And if someone wants to do that on their own, just any, like if you have scheduling tools or do you batch work, like what you offer. And then also, if you don't mind any tips you have for someone who is 
just totally DIYing it <laughs> by listening to what you teach. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. one of the first things I would encourage people to do if they're listening and they're mm-hmm. like, I know I need a strategy. I would start by just getting clear on what do you want to accomplish right now in this mm-hmm. season and get just a piece of paper out. Like I even have here just blank calendars. And that's where I start with every client at the beginning of the month. And I say, what do we want to talk about right now? And then I designate how much time do I really have for this client? How much do they need to be active? And so I'll just kind of like note those days. Some of them are daily. Some of them are once per week. And then I say, all right, what is going to be the assets that I have that align with the story elements that I want to share? And then I'll just start plugging it in. And I think the really cool thing right now, and this is a tip for anybody listening, is that simple and candid is winning the day. It doesn't have to be a complex reel to be effective. Last month, one of my clients that I worked with, I was going through her reports with her and saying, okay, here's what we did. Here was our best post. Here was our poorest post. The best post that we did, I literally put it together in five minutes. It was just a video of stirring soup. She's a nutrition coach. And it was just like stirring soup in a pot. And then I had a caption that talked about how prepping your foods macro-friendly ways are beneficial for meeting your nutrition goals. But I was like, it was just a simple video that she took while she was preparing her own dinner. And it was a matter of knowing, okay, this asset is going to help me communicate what part of my business and then writing the caption in that way. So it didn't have to be anything fancy to be effective. So it's looking at your assets, then where do we need to create assets? And you can use tools like Canva. That is my absolute go-to. And you can use this website. There's a free version or there's it's very low cost for the pro version, but I highly recommend that for creating graphics and any print materials. And then if you're still kind of like, I don't even know how to put this together, At MKM, we do offer what I call Content Confident. It's a monthly subscription. And with that subscription, you get a content calendar. So it's not custom to your business, but it gives you a frame of a bunch of post topics that you can talk about. I have them lined up so that they help you execute a certain objective for the month. So sometimes the monthly objective might be going live on video or creating one reel, but the posts are laid out so that it gives you a prompt to go off of. You get Canva templates that you can customize to your business. So all you have to do is input your information, maybe update the colors or the font, and then you can use those. And it also connects to any reels audio that I recommend that's trending at the moment. And I do have a couple of caption starters too. So for anybody just getting started, I think Content Confident is a really good place to start. And then from there, you can really, exactly what it says, you can become confident in how this social media thing works and you can start seeing themes of what your audience is responding to, create more of that kind of content going forward. And then you can have that freedom to really play around with what you need to make the most. So good. Thank you for that. And we'll link to Content Confident in the show notes as well and all those things. And so talking about tracking things, how your posts are working, you talked about doing that with a client. Can you tell us more about that? Like what metrics are you tracking to know, I guess, if a post is performing well or not? And then how do you use that data to create more marketing content going forward? Yeah, there's so many different components of social media marketing that go into making your account effective or not effective or what have you. Some of the metrics that I always look at, I report on this every month for clients, is reach and engagement. So you can get reach and engagement metrics per post, or you can get them for a certain custom time span, whether you're on Facebook, Instagram, those are the two platforms that I work in the most, but I think you can also get that data on other social media platforms as well. But reach is the number of accounts that your posts have appeared in front of. There's a number called impressions too, and that's just the number of times that it's appeared. And then the engagement is the number of times that people stopped what they were doing to really pay attention. So that's the best way that I can explain it. So engagement might be that they stopped to watch your video for three seconds, or they stopped to like it, or they stopped to comment, or they stopped to click through a photo series on Facebook or swipe through a carousel on Instagram. All of these are considered engagements because people stopped their scroll and then they did something. And so when I look at reach and I look at engagement, I like to compare those two numbers and say, sometimes we might have massive reach. So I, for example, had a client who one month, her reach was like 25,000 accounts. And it was like, wow, that was great. 
but her engagement was still like relatively low, like down in the two or the 3000. And so I had to dig in and say, okay, why did we get such massive reach? But the engagement didn't follow that. Well, once I dug in, we had one reel that went like massive crazy. And with reels themselves, they are the topic du jour on Instagram, but they aren't always the most engaging format because reels might get dispersed to a bunch of accounts, but it's not always those people who are in your ideal audience. And so in that month for her in particular, like, yeah, we reached a lot of accounts, but it wasn't always those people who our information mattered to the most. So they didn't take action on it versus there've been clients in the past where we might have maybe our reach is only like 3000 for the month because they're a smaller account, but our engagement was like 1000. So those numbers were a little closer. And even though the numbers themselves weren't as high as that other account, because our reach and engagement were relatively close, I could tell that the information we shared meant something to those people. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big indicator for me. And I also look at you have to kind of know what's your best objective that you're trying to get people to do. So if you want people to call you on the phone, are you actually getting phone calls? If you want people to send you emails, are you actually getting emails from them? For certain clients, we measure link clicks because we're trying to send people to our opt-in page on their email. So we measure link clicks every month. It's looking at reach and engagement, but it's also what are those metrics that tell you that this social media effort that you're making is actually driving something forward in the business itself. And that's going to be different for every business. But those are the things that I look at month over month. So good. Thank you for saying that. Because for me, and maybe for a lot of people listening, you kind of get caught up in the reach, right? Oh, look at Mm -hmm. all the reaches, but how you explain it with the engagement and you can really see your engagement to reach. You can really see like, okay, yeah, what I'm saying is hitting home with the audience and the people in my audience. Let's follow that trend, right? Let's follow that thread and talk more about it. And you can kind of, I could see how it can build and you can get to know your audience even more and what, like how they resonate with you and things like that. So that's so cool. And I think that like making an effort to track these things, I do it the first day of the month. It's just something that I've made a habit. And that helps me really on behalf of my clients and even for ours, it's establishing trends. And then I can see, okay, if there's been an algorithm shift or if there's something that my audience seems to really be pulled towards. So for a lot of clients, anytime we post a picture of a person, if it's the owner of the business or the team members it's going to go bananas because people want, again, people do business with people. They want to see the faces. And that's a great way to connect because like ugh, every month there are going to be things that we really design beautiful Canva graphics for. But if we post a picture of just the team at work, like celebrating with coffees, then that's going to be the most successful post of the month because it has people in it. And you can start seeing other themes and trends too. Like I could tell when when the algorithm was really favoring reels and when reels began to dip off, I could see like, Other things like on Facebook or Instagram, if you have a post with multiple images, those are going to be some of your highest performers because people have to stop, click through them or swipe through them. And every photo view is considered an engagement. So that's another thing that I kind of learned just by making sure that I was tracking my data and getting curious about, okay, why was this the most successful post? Why was these the top five most successful posts? What do they have in common? And how can I use that as I create strategy for the following time period? So good. I love how you break it down into like almost month by month or, you know, a chunk of four to eight weeks and then going forward just to really pay attention to what is going on with the platforms, what is going on with the metrics you're tracking. That's so cool. And so it also sounds like there's a lot of just like, you know, you have your story that you're building and your audience hero and all these things and you're experimenting too in a way, right? Like you're seeing what works, seeing who's out there. And so can you talk to listeners a little bit about how long it should take for your social media strategy to start working and how long, you know, you see people realistically dedicating to their social media every week or every month? Because I think we, we get, we hear a lot of things like, oh, I made 40 posts in 30 minutes and all these things. And I think if it's taking us longer, it can feel discouraging or like, this isn't going to work for me. Those thoughts start to come in. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that. So I think that again, nobody's going to like this answer, but it's different (laughs) for every business. So I have clients that I've worked with for five and six years now, and we've seen like moderate growth on their account. So maybe when we started, they were at 250 followers on Facebook and now we're up to a thousand. Now over the span of five years, people might be like, 
oh my gosh, why aren't you higher than that? Well, you have to take into account other things too. Like, okay, this is a highly localized business. They have a service radius. Their service radius is a rural population. So it doesn't make sense to us to have a Instagram account all the time if we can't service people from all over the place. Like we are highly localized. So our efforts are going to be very localized. Our information we share is going to be very relevant to the people in our local area. And so that doesn't always translate to these massive, huge numbers. Also, if you are somebody who wants to have like a larger radius, so maybe nationwide, that can influence what you decide to do, some of those different tactics that you put into play. So if you do want to grow fast, gain awareness quicker, then yes, do the TikTok do the Instagram reels, maybe do some collaborations with other brands and other people, get involved in like bundle opportunities, things like that, because those are going to help you grow faster. Now, as somebody who kind of has the perspective that I do with working primarily with small town businesses, solopreneurs, I love that slow, steady growth because that's where you can build relationships. And my thought process has always been like, not everybody out there is going to need what I have to offer in this exact minute. But if I show up authentically, if I show up showing that I am somebody you can trust, if I can give you that little nugget of education that made you think differently or like really stop what you were doing to pay attention, then down the road, maybe you will need me and you'll remember me and then you'll come my way versus I'm one of a hundred TikToks that you scrolled through this week. And while you can get high volume, high visibility on TikTok, I also really love that slow, steady growth that allows you to create relationships with people. So there's trade-offs to either opportunity. I think you need to get really clear first and say, what is my objective? Do I want that slow, steady growth? Do I want to gain awareness quickly. And that influences the platforms that you're going to be on. That influences your posting frequency. And I would just encourage you to know that those overnight success stories aren't necessarily overnight. It does take some time to build up, but by being consistent and valuable, that's going to be your best shot for getting that ROI on social media. Molly, this is so good. We're going to have to have you come back on the show because I feel like I just had the best crash course I needed on social media and building a social media strategy. I have so much more that I would love to know. So I'll have to have you back telling everybody who's listening to go follow Molly because she's just a wealth of information on social media and just online marketing in general. And so before I let you go, I have a few rapid fire questions that I like to ask all my guests just for fun. Um, Wonderful. I'm here for it. All right, cool. So what is your favorite place on earth? Oh, okay. So if it's locally, A, there's like this, we have a sectional in our living room and there's a corner of that sectional. <laughs> that's like my spot. On Thursdays and Fridays, I'll grab my laptop and that's where I'll work for the day. It's like my creative mm-hmm. corner. It's also like my comfort zone. So like when I'm sick, I just lay there and that's where I watch TV. So it's just like, that's my spot. And I will say like, I just kind of love our farm area. Like we have a house and we have a barn and in the barn we have like cows and chickens and cats. And so like, we just, it's happy over there. So I do love that too. But if we're talking about like anywhere in the whole wide world, we, my husband and I still both talk about our time that we took a vacation to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And Mm -hmm. I just keep thinking about, we went, it was like March-ish of 2021 And flying into Jackson Airport is like nothing I've ever experienced before. You fly over the Grand Tetons, which are just like huge and majestic. And you land in an airport runway that's in the valley and there's mountains right there. And you like deplane outside. So you're like in nature as soon as you get out. Oh my gosh, it was just so beautiful. And I think I'm more of a mountain person than a beach person. I'm finding that out about myself. But I just always think about like, I can't wait to go back there someday. So cool. We're so like, I know people ask, where is your favorite place on earth? I'm like, well, my living room, if I had to pick one. (laughs) Yeah, that's so cool. Okay. um, What is your favorite book? Oh gosh. I love reading. Like love, love reading. Last year, I like, I was like, I'm going to read five books a month. And I never got that. This year, I'm like, I'm just going to read what I feel like reading and what I enjoy. Like my manifestor energy is coming through. And I did read five books in January and I've already read three in February. So anyway, so my best book that I read so far this year, business-wise, was a book called Essentialism by Greg McCune. 
it's a kind of a philosophical thing about really drilling down into what are those essential elements versus the unnecessary tasks that we seem to pile on ourselves. That book kind of shook me in all the good ways. So I would recommend anybody listening to go check out that book. And then my best book so far this year, as far as like a fiction book, I just read The Guest List by Emily Foley. And it's kind of like an Agatha Christie murder mystery. Um, But all these guests go to an island. There's a wedding there. You get introduced to a whole slew of characters, but you know that something really bad happens right from the first chapter. And so the whole rest of the book is about unpacking these characters and their motivations and then who could have done it. So that book was really good. Ooh, I'm intrigued. Thank you. (laughs) And last, what is your favorite sandwich? Okay. I love sandwiches, but I'm more of like a taco kind of person. Like my best tacos I ever got were on our honeymoon when we were in Maui and it was at our hotel, like along the pool. And there were just the best fish tacos. And there was somebody um, locally here who I saw on Snapchat. She was in Hawaii. They were at the same hotel that we had stayed at 10 years ago plus. And I said, I don't know if they're still as good, but you need to test these fish tacos and let me know because I still think about them. And so she did. And then she sent me a picture of her and her family enjoying the fish tacos. And she said they were great. So if anybody is traveling to Maui, go to the Hyatt Regency Maui and get the fish tacos from whatever that poolside restaurant is called because those are life-changing. Thank you so much, Molly. Um, Where can people find you? Tell us all the places where people can keep up with you after the show. I know they're going to want to. Thank you so much. So I have a podcast as well. It's called The Found Podcast, and it's about women who are finding themselves and founding businesses at the same time. So that's available on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And then as far as social media, I tend to hang out on Instagram the most, but you can follow at Molly Knuth Media for more of the businessy kind of things. And if you want more of the personal side of things, my personal development, my woo-woo stuff, at Molly Knuth underscore MKM is where I share all of that. Thank you so much, Molly, again for being here. Thanks, Jenny. This was so much fun and I'm down for doing this a million times over. Yes. Let's plan on it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Above the Bar Copy. Every month I draw one winner who will get a free audit on a piece of copy of your choice. An email funnel, a sales page, a website page, you name it. I'll walk through it and send you a full video audit on the piece along with a Google Doc full of copy notes and suggestions you can implement. To enter this copy audit giveaway, leave a five-star positive review on the show and email me a screenshot of your review so I have your name and email and can notify you if you want. You can send that to hello at jennyrothcopywriting.com.